and we're going to think a little bit more about uh, the Christmas story and about what's going on with Jesus and who he is. So this morning we want to do that by reading from John chapter 1. And we're going to read the first 18 verses, and then we're going to pick up uh, just a little bit later at verse 29 through to 43. So, if you're reading this morning in the Pew Bible, you'll find that on page 1063. That's page 1063, John 1, verses 1 through to 14, and then a little bit further on. This is God's Word to us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And there came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, and he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John testifies concerning Him. He cries out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace we have all received one blessing after another, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And then turn with me to verse 29 of John chapter 1. Verse 29 of John chapter 1. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave his testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. 
And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you're Simon, the son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this morning. We're going to think about that just a little bit later. Well, let us open our Bibles to John chapter 1 this morning as we look at this passage, John chapter 1. And uh, for a few moments, we're going to think about it. And it's simply under this title, Come and Behold Him. Come and Behold Him. We're going to think through it this morning like this. Jesus became so that we may believe so that we could become children of God. So Jesus became so that we might believe so that we could become children of God. And as we start to unpack this this morning, a simple question for us all is, how was your Christmas? How was your Christmas? As the Christmas hype fades, and as the magical gleam of the fairy lights are switched off, and as the tree is shoved into the box and through the entrance to the attic, and you have the debate, will we take the decorations off the tree and the lights off it, or will we just try to push it through the attic and hope for the best next year? And as you get out, maybe, perhaps, if you're going to take the lights off, the old uh, bit of newspaper that you wrap them around so that you don't have to spend three hours untangling them next year. And as the decorations are placed carefully in that old box that you've had for about 20 years that you know exactly uh, the type of box that you're going to take out, whenever all of the turkey and ham are fed to the dog, whenever you can finally see the back of the fridge again, and the last bits of glitter are all hoovered up and dusted off, I wonder how you feel about it all. For some of you, and for some of us, we will be on a low. The ecstasy, the pressure of Christmas Eve shopping and of the festive period will all too soon have vanished. And for some, you will be on a high, pleased, because you've managed to negotiate another family gathering without saying anything that you regret. You're pleased because you don't have to have the same conversation 500 times. Well, are you all set for Christmas? Oh yeah, I can't believe it's Christmas already. We're nearly there. We're nearly all set. And for some here this morning, you'll be totally indifferent. You feel no different from this time a month ago because for you, it's just another day. But here's my greatest fear in the midst of all of this. My greatest fear is that over the past couple of weeks, in the midst of all the lights and food and the wrapping paper and the carl services and the mince pie and the quality street and all them things, some of us here this morning will have missed Jesus. Some of us will have missed Jesus. You'll have sung about him. You'll have heard readings about him. You have, if you've been here, you have heard Nigel or Pete or myself preach about him. And you know the phrases about him. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the greatest gift of all. And maybe if you've been paying special attention, you'll have realized that our theme in Hill Street this Christmas has been, are you ready for Christmas? But your head and your heart have been totally unshaken. You have missed Jesus. And for you, you think that this morning, it's, it's all too much to think about. It's all a little bit too crazy to be true, even though Nigel painted and pointed out for us that, that Jesus is historic, prophetic, and authentic. For some, you will think, I'm not good enough. I could never keep the rules. Well, if being a Christian for some of us is like being like the man down the road, I want nothing to do with that. 
Or perhaps you're saying it's just not the right time. Whatever the excuse is this morning, I want to invite you to pause. I want you to put that excuse on hold for a little moment. I want you to be willing to sidetrack it, the sideline it, the shelf it, just for a few moments as we think of this passage. And Christians here this morning, I invite you to pause too so that you will see the wonder of this again. So this morning, we come to this first chapter of John to behold, to see, to observe, to witness, to gaze, to look at who Jesus, this man, really is. So our first point, Jesus became. Jesus became. Whenever I was younger, I used to think of Jesus, whenever people talked about Jesus coming, coming as a man, I used to think of it a little bit like stars in your eyes, okay? So if you're Younger than me, you'll probably not understand what stars in your eyes is, okay? But for everybody else, we'll know what it is. Matthew Kelly would uh, interview someone. There'd be a little uh, bit of a talk and a little bit of a story. And then they would use the phrase, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be. And they would go through this, uh, this door and they'd come out with smoke and they would look like Elvis or Abba or whoever it would be, right? And I used to think that that's what Jesus is like here. Tonight, I'm going to be a little baby boy. But that's not what is going on. You see, as we tried to understand with the kids, Jesus has always been. There was never a time when he did not exist. And here he comes as a man, as a proper man, not as some sort of dressed up man. He is fully man and he is fully God. You see, this has been God's plan for all of eternity. Pete helped us last week think about that. The big picture, the big story, that Jesus was always going to come the place where God meets with man, the whole fellowship of man through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in whom the fullness of the Godhead is pleased to dwell. So Jesus, who is he? He's not just a a greater Moses. He's not just a better Abraham. He is the greatest. He is the son of God. So some of these little phrases will help us work it through. The maker becomes a man. The one who scattered the stars becomes a son. The Christ becomes a carpenter. The infinite becomes an infant. The deliverer becomes dependent upon his mother. The eternal son becomes an earthly citizen. And the king of heaven comes to be kicked and to be hated. Who would do this? Surely it's nuts. Surely the whole Christmas story is something that Walt Disney and his crew decided one day we'll make this up, we'll write it down, because what sort of king, what sort of king is born in a manger instead of a mansion? What sort of savior comes, and he doesn't come in might, but instead he comes in meekness? What sort of deliverer comes, not in splendor, but in squalor? What's going on? What's going on? with the Christmas story. Jesus became one of us. Why? So he could save us. God required a perfect man to atone for the sin of the world. The blood of a sheep wouldn't work. The blood of a bull wouldn't satisfy. The Savior had to be both God and man. Why? Man? Because anything else would not save humanity. The little phrase that helps us think this through this morning is this, that which is not assumed 
is not healed. That which is not assumed is not healed. Jesus had to be one of us. He had to be the second Adam, and therefore he had to be of Adam and descend from him. He had to be man. And he had to be God. Why? Because only God would be sinless and pure. Only then could we be saved. Only then could Adam's helpless race be saved. So in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh. We see it here as we work through this opening uh, prologue of John. The one that comes into this world who, verse 1 in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God and was Him. Then the flesh, in verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The mystery of the incarnation, of how Jesus was both fully God and fully man. Not half God, not half man, not some sort of hybrid, not something like you see out of the Terminator films where if you peel back his skin, there would be some sort of robot. Jesus was fully God, fully man. Here's what Calvin says. Christ, when he became man, did not cease to be what he formerly was. And that no change took place in his eternal essence of God, which was clothed in flesh. In short, the Son of God began to be a man in such a manner that he continues to be the eternal Word who had no beginning of time. So this big doctrine, Jesus comes, the incarnation, what's it all about? Well, verse 12 unlocks it for us. What's going on? John, what's going on? The gospel in this, the gospel of John. Well, verse 12 unpacks it. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, the whole Christmas story, the whole account, it's all about verse 12. It's all about us being able to become children of God. That's why he came into the world. He became the son of man who was God's own son, in order that he might make the sons of men be children of God. So we ask the question, how can this be? How can I be a child of God? How can I be a child of God? If you knew what I had gotten up to, how could I ever be a child of God? John, you don't know what sort of life I've lived. You don't know what thoughts I've had. You don't know what I'm planning to do in the future. And you'd be right, I don't know. But God does. And here's the best thing. God wasn't put off by our sin. There's nothing that could put him off us. Yet he sends his son into this world, Jesus Christ, a real man, verse 4, to come and to bring what? To bring light and to bring life to us. So in verse 14, whenever the word becomes flesh and dwells among us, What John is trying to point out for us is this, that Jesus came and he moved into our neighborhood. And he came and he walked on our streets, the streets that we walk, so that those who suffer from illness, he met with them. Those who were plagued with mental illness, he sat with them. Those distraught from trying to find satisfaction and contentment, what did Jesus do? He pointed them towards the answer in himself. To the religious, he reasoned, To the children, he spent time with them. And to the broken, he came to heal their wounds. So this morning, Jesus understands us. The Word who became flesh. Everything that we're going through, he understands it. 
So what's our call? Well, John the Baptist in, John, in the Gospel of John here and in verse 29, what does he want us to do? Look at it in verse 29. Really simple. Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If I could press anything onto you this morning, it is this. Look at Jesus. Look at him, behold him, gaze at him, keep looking at him, pick up this book, read it, read this gospel, read a few more chapters of it, keep looking at him, keep asking questions until you get this, that you understand who he is and why he has came, that verse 12 is for you, so that you may become a child of God, no matter about your sin, because Christ came to pay the price for it. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, verse 29. John the Baptist points out who Jesus is, and then he says it again. Verse 35 and 36, next day, again, here's John. He's with some people, and what does he say again? Verse 36, look, the Lamb of God. This whole first chapter of this gospel is written so we may see who Jesus is, the one who spoke planets into motion, came to be a baby crying in this world. The hands that would go on to heal, uh, uh, heal the blind and heal people would come to be nailed to a cross for us. The one who brings healing comes to have his flesh beaten and torn and bruised. And the light of this world comes to take a criminal's death. The wonderful counselor becomes a reject and the name above every other name is mocked and ridiculed. Why? to save us, to save you and to save me from our sin, whatever it is that we have done. So John the Baptist calls us to look. Look at the Lamb of God. Behold him. See Jesus. See him for who he is. Psalm 33 puts it like this. Let all the inhabitants of the world Stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Stand in awe of him. This is who Jesus is. And really quickly, what's our response? That we believe and that we should become children of God. That we would believe. Believe him this morning. Believe who he is. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of being able to go in a little plane, and I did not want to do it, uh, but I had the privilege of going in this little plane to fly around the moorings, and there's a man called Gary, and I was convinced that if I got into this plane that I was going to die. I was like, this is a bad idea. If this plane goes down, I am snuggered, right? And uh, I got into the plane with Gary, and Gary said to me, he says, John, believe me, you'll be okay. Believe me. So as we're going up this runway, this grass runway at Kilkeel, and just as we're about to take off, he has a joystick, and I have a joystick, and I've never been in a plane, or, well, I've been in a plane, but I've never had to sit in the cockpit of a plane before, right? And at that point, if I don't believe him, if I take matters into my own hands, and I take control, well, we're definitely sunk, right? We're definitely going to crash, and more than likely, I would have died. What did I have to do? I had to believe him and trust him. And yet, whenever we think of us in spiritual terms, what do we do all the time? We take control. We think that we know better. We don't trust and believe our Lord Jesus Christ. And what happens is the whole thing ends up in a mess. Whenever we take control, 
Instead, Jesus calls us to believe in him, to trust him, to put our faith in him. An invitation, verse 43. Look at verse 43. Two words. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus says, come and believe in him. Follow him, no matter who we are. And as we close, why? So that we can become children of God, verse 12. For us to see this, we have to know this morning who we are. That without Jesus, without our heavenly Father, that we are strangers, that we are orphans. This morning we come to God, and all of us, no matter who we are, how do we come to Him? We come as orphans with dirty clothes, smelly and rude. Our, Our family line is atrocious. We are orphans, and our family line, they took Jesus They beat him and and killed him and crucified him. Our ancestry is not good. And yet, what does our Heavenly Father say? He says, it's okay. Because I've sent my son, verse 12, to give you the right to become children of God. So he comes to us here this morning in the midst of the Christmas story to adopt us, to be one of his own. He comes and he takes our old clothes off and he puts our new clothes on, clothes of Christ. He says, your sins, I have forgiven them. And he calls us to come and understand what it is to be part of this new family of Jesus. So for us, what do we do? Come and behold him. Born the king of angels, the man who comes who is fully God and fully man, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, born into this world so that you may become a child of God. Behold him, see him, believe in him, and then become his child here this morning. And our hope is this, that all of us would stand in awe of him, stand in awe of Jesus, the Savior of the world. Let us pray before we sing. Father in heaven, we come here this morning and we are sorry this morning if we have missed Jesus this Christmas, if we have missed him for who he is, the maker who became a man, the infinite who became an infant. Father, the Christ who would come and who would be crucified. Jesus, help us to see you this morning. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Set aside all of the excuses that we make. Fill us with awe and fill us with wonder again here this morning at the name of Jesus. May we be excited and may we be passionate just like John the Baptist was. To say, look, behold, see This is the Lamb of God. This is the one who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one who saves us. Jesus, we thank you. We want to live our lives in praise and adoration and to glorify you. Help us here this morning. Kindle our hearts again. Please kindle them in the power of your Spirit. Amen.